and welcome to My Security TV and our Tech and Sec Weekly. My name is Chris Coverage. I'm the executive editor with My Security Media, and today we're joined by Security Scorecard. Crossing over to the UK, we've got Adam Denya Hampton, who's the director of Sales Engineering and International with Security Scorecard. We're going to be looking at key security metrics, uh, measuring and monitoring the cybersecurity strategy. So, without further ado, we'll bring on Adam Denya Hampton, director of Sales Engineering International, there just outside of London. Correct. Correct. Very nice to meet you, Chris. Very good. Thank you very much for joining us, Adam. Um, now, key security metrics, and we have done a couple of sessions with the Security Scorecard, so our audience may well uh, know about Security Scorecard, but you're the uh, Director of Sales Engineering International, and I'll just get our, uh, our screen set up there. Um, Pre-sales, almost, in a way, but Security Scorecard is a very interesting platform, so... It's relatively easy to use. Maybe what's your role in terms of the pre-sales uh, engineering? Where, where, how are you working with the clients and, and customers uh, to, to access the metrics here? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So the, the, the role of the sales engineer or the pre-sales engineer is, is quite instrumental in is understanding the customer requirements. So this is not to take away from um, you know, a salesperson who is very vital in the in the role, but obviously the pre-sales person is to technically understand what it is the uh, the customer needs to achieve, of which we'll cover some of those points in the conversation today. But most of the time, it's it's to get to a lower level of understanding, understanding the kind of areas of of concern, what do they need to to, to do, what do they need to produce, and then being able to align what it is that we do from a technical perspective. And then align that to the to the requirements of, of the customer, and then on top of that, also provide a, a wider exposure to the inner workings of security scorecards. So things like product and development and roadmap, and all the things that that make us who we are, and all of the teams and the engineering and etc. That are essentially we are the face of, and presenting that to the customer. So it's a platform. You almost have to configure it to the customer. Because uh, I understand you can just go in there and get a security score uh, relatively yeah. quickly, but mm -hmm. then you can start to sort of phase in new controls and uh, increase your maturity. And that's where you would come in and start to understand how they align and configure it to that organization. Yeah, I think quite honestly, there's probably two areas. Um, and the two areas that we focus on are um, an educational piece around what ratings really are, because I think there's still in the market of a great misunderstanding, um, potentially some incorrect perceptions that have been put, placed out there by, I don't know, I wouldn't want to assume, but, but some incorrect perceptions of what it is that we do. And really to set the definition of what a rating is, a, a rating in itself is a way to benchmark an organization against its peers so that we have a way of understanding very, very clearly um, from a cybersecurity perspective, what it is that the individual or where it is the organization sits within its risk um, risk parameters. Now, when you then move that into um, your own configuration and your own what we call risk appetite, then that's the configuration point that you mentioned that that that's correct. But the, the whole idea of a rating is that it's fair, is that you are benchmarking against your peers so that you can get a an unbiased objective perspective of a risk of an organization be it yourself or or those that you work with so that's the kind of basis of it and then what you do is you then you're then moving it from that kind of general risk view to something that's more customized to the organization and this is when you start start, start to get into things like risk tiering so how do i understand 
the organizations that I work with, either both internally or externally, and, and of those vendors that I work with, what percentage are high risk, low risk, medium risk, depending on how they impact your business? And that's the customizational part, which which invariably the customer will have, right? They've already done some of this due diligence. It's about meeting the solution in the middle with the, the initial requirements that are already gathered. Who do you tend to deal with in the organization in terms of the client? Uh, is it at the CISO level or is it more even at the analyst level or are you working as a team, say, with a cybersecurity team? Yeah, I, I mean, project-wise, it's usually the team. So if this is a large undertaking, and usually that's the transition from something that's been historically quite manual to something that is is now a bit more um, automated and, and, you know, in this age of, especially in, in third-party risk, in this age of, uh, vendors that we work with and, and the number of vendors we work with it, it's it's phenomenal for for an smb for example you're looking in excess of a thousand vendors some of them might be insignificant but some of them will be you know processing data hr information payment information and so really um doing that manually is is kind of almost incomprehensible so it affects the entire team this will affect your procurement team this will affect the CISO who's doing the the risk metrics at the moment this will affect uh, their team and what they are doing um, it affects the larger. So if you're doing a full project of migration from a potentially older system to something a little bit newer, uh, then it does involve the, the wider team. It also depends on the use case as well. Now, we're very heavily involved within cyber insurance for obvious reasons, um, but we're also involved in, in projects where people are monitoring just themselves. If they're a large entity, for example, where they're monitoring, you know, 150 of their subsidiaries or 200 or 300 subsidiaries. It's the same principle of, of risk where we're benchmarking. It's just the focus is, is more internally. And that's when you're going to get, um, you know, more of the internal SOC team potentially involved, uh, more of the, uh, still the CISO, um, but but more of the technical elements of, of the organization involved. So depending on the use case, um, you know, an analyst is going to be cyber insurance. You're looking at kind of risk, uh, risk analytics, um, you know, third-party risk, you're going to be getting the, the TPRM team, if there is one, the CISO, the, you know, the procurement team involved. And then obviously self-monitoring is going to be, you know, more of the sock knock kind of uh, environment uh, as well. So there's a range of different personas that we that we work with, depending on the, the use case of the customer. And I imagine you can build it out. One of the things we were going to look at is, uh, and the measuring and monitoring for a cybersecurity strategy where you might start quite broadly. Uh, you mentioned how many vendors uh, if mm -hmm. an organization may have in a supply chain. So you can you can start to uh, strategize a little bit more in terms of that risk. Uh, how would you sort of start? Because it's one of those things uh, you can obviously get very granular. We've, we have seen the platform uh, in a webinar with uh, Han Yang as well, who did a wonderful job of going through the platform. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely granular it's not something you would just dive into because uh, you might might well get lost is that how you would potentially approach it from a large organization start start and maybe start with what the board wants to see and what that CISO wants to see yes and you know there's, there's elements of, of, of additional work that need to happen so one of the things that we do as an organization um, and this is part and parcel of the the kind of work that we do with customers is we run what we call a security uh, security maturity model. And the security maturity model has been developed internally by security scorecarders, most of whom have been practitioners in their own life. Um, so that, you know, they're bringing a lot of experience from, from what they've done. And putting this in the hands of people like myself and others who, 
you know, whilst I've been a practitioner to a certain extent, um, nowhere near as much and certainly nowhere near as, as high in, in the TPRM uh, world. Uh, so what we're doing really there is this security maturity model isn't about calling a company out saying oh you're not mature enough or you're not where you need to be in your in your cycle it's about really seeing where where you are and, and putting the cards on the table as they say and, and and saying okay well let's be realistic about our maturity model and and this will include things like okay do you have a tiering system for the vendor so do you know which ones are the highest risk versus the lowest risk um it'll be things such as um, what kind of assessments do you do? Do you do intermittent? Do you do yearly? Do you do monthly? Are you being proactive in the event of a breach? Do you get notifications? And going through all of these kind of stages to uh, just ask, I wouldn't say rudimentary questions, but just ask the state of where we're at. You yeah. know, maybe you ask, if I could say, maybe ask the right questions to guide yes, you exactly. through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then once you, you kind of get to that level, you can understand exactly where you are. And we actually use a um, a rating system ourselves, or we can say, okay, well, we think you're here on the scale that we use, which is, you know, no irony intended there. But uh, we use that then to, to basically understand, you know, where where is the organisation at, and then what work do we need to do? So we're coming from a really manual process. Somebody sends a questionnaire, or somebody just gets an alert via an email, and something goes wrong, or or, or are we at the point where we're actually people have we've actually come to the point where we do assessments, we have breach data and insights, we have. Uh, indicators of compromise we have all of this information we we tier our vendors we know where our organization sits and where our, our our third parties sit and what action to take we have integrations into other systems that allow us to automate um, events when they occur so there's all these things that, and, and everything in between that we then try to identify before we then get to the uh, before we then get to the okay this is what we need to do and it's the gap analysis point that we get to at the end um, that we then provide to our customers and say okay well this is where we think you can take the solution and it does invariably take a lot of input from the from the customer as well because we can only make assumptions and the assumptions get you in hot water i think so um you know being able to get the the gap analysis or being able to get the gap from the customer is very important i think the other one is the real time versus intermittent monitoring mm. is security scorecard able to to get into that real time uh monitoring as well uh, it does depend on what you mean by real time, but y yes, it's certainly more than just you would in time from... also, but uh, potentially in say yeah. in a SOC uh, as well. If you can see that profile changing suddenly, uh, I think there was a use case there yeah. in terms of say a, a breach uh, within a supply chain of a contractor or a supplier. If they mm -hmm. suddenly get breached, uh, does that yeah. change your risk profile as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, this is something that's quite close to my heart in terms of, um, you know, in terms of value of what security scorecard does. And, and I think if, if you take this to other real world examples, um, such as, you know, car insurance or house insurance, you know, when the check engine light comes up and it flashes, do you ignore it? You don't. Right. You know, when, you know, you start to hear noises in the house, like something's dripping or there's a leak or something, you, you don't ignore these things. And, and it's the same for ratings. Why would you wait for your yearly assessment? to basically counteract something that sh you could have stopped early or you could have could have prevented and we know there's no point in going into the the numbers on it we know there's millions and billions <clears throat> excuse me of dollars involved when it comes to breaches and incidences right so if you could prevent those from happening you would and it's the same in any other walk of life if you saw the check engine invariably you go to the garage and they have a look at the engine they'll say oh, okay well, we can change the oil or change the sensor or something but if you well, let it getting... run well, I was going to say, we're getting to a point now, I'll, I'll get a text message from my insurer 
yeah. uh, if there's a storm over way that there might be a hailstorm. And so they now send that text message to say, you know, a hailstorm's coming your way, get your car undercover. I take yeah. it that's very similar where you want to get with a cyber exactly. security profile and, and posture, right? Exactly. And, and it's exactly the same as is, is essentially what the rating is doing, right? So the rating is, is changing every day, it updates every day. We have signals that update sometimes um, in, in an hourly, depending on how often we can kind of update the, the, the data set and how much we can or how we can get that information. And then we have some signals that update weekly and some monthly because you, you've got, you are dependent on what it is you can actually uh, monitor. So if you're looking at circa, you know, 120 signals, a signal in this case would be something we're monitoring. So it could be something like open RDP or, you know, it could be something like malware communication or unpatched systems. Each of these kind of signals are on a rotisserie kind of environment where you're checking them all of the time, but you need to be able to then kind of take stock every day and say, right, stop the, the clock. What's the score today? And then start again, to, you know, as soon as you've taken right. stock of that. And, and that's what we're doing. We're checking all of these signals as, as regularly as we can, which is why I kind of pivoted a little bit from the real time statement. I don't want to be um, I don't want to be kind of setting the wrong expectation. There are a lot of things that we check very, very rapidly, but there are invariably a lot of things that we can't. I cannot just keep asking the same question of a, of a service yeah. or an exposed service of a, of a company. It, it would create a denial of service ultimately. Um, with 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 legitimate traffic, and then ultimately bring down the uh, the environment, and you know you're going to get in a lot of uh, hot water for that. So the idea of of the rating is to check as frequently as we can about any changes, any distinguishable changes that we see, and when those changes arise, make sure they're in the hands of the people that need to act on it, the expertise that can then look at that data and say, hmm, okay, not too worried at the moment, but I'm going to keep an eye on this. It really does come down to the way risk should be assessed. Because risk is a point in time, right? So the, the board getting their their risk assessment, uh, particularly for say physical risks and, and cybersecurity related risk, uh, it's not like a sort of financial risk that might be moving slowly. But yeah. I think again, if we're looking at a cybersecurity strategy and reporting to the board, mm -hmm. there's levels of access that you can provide uh, to security scorecard. They don't have to see everything under the hood, but they can see that maturity model and, and get that report on demand. I take it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the one of the things that came from ratings, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, I don't want to labor the point too much, but one of the things that, that came out of ratings was, you know, if you want to a trust a rating, if you want to trust a, an assessment of an organization, you have to be transparent. So everything we do is fully transparent. You know, you can go right down to the to the lowest signal level and get right into the to the, the detail if you need to. And that's always available. But as you say, it's not necessarily appropriate. For that at a board level because what they need is the they need is the the level of or indication that they can understand not having that lower level of expertise potentially and also being able to, to put that into existing metrics that they always have so you mentioned yeah. financial you mentioned other metrics they've got we've got to fit into that same same walk of life and and if you look at those metrics that they've got there it it, it is always using a scaled system right the vendors that i work with are they are they at high risk of fraud or are they are they a high risk of of turnover or, or whatever the you know the metric is that they're looking at and then they have some scale that they can look at and say okay well i can then take my own appetite from that whether i want to leave that to the to the edge or whether i want to take action early you you're putting the detail the metrics in front of the board and it's the same with the security ratings all of the lower level details there to corroborate the data that you get at the higher level but you're generating reports you're generating detailed information 
for those um, third-party board, board members that use a, a, a ratings metric. So you can say, right, okay, show me the state of play for the thousand vendors that I work with and break it down into a, an easy-to-understand model, which is a report that just shows you where do they all play, what percentage are high risk, what percentage are trending up, what percentage are trending down, how do I look like in, or what, what does my security posture look like against our competitors? I want to benchmark very quickly, and I want to be able to see over the last 30 days, six months, 12 months, where where we've pitched in terms of our own cybersecurity risks in, in terms of our in terms of our market. So it's always that comparison model, that metrics model that everybody in in the kind of board level that is very interested in, and then they can take action that on the lower level information, but only using the kind of metrics at the at the medium to high level. Now it aligns to standards. I was also going to say, how customizable is it to, for particular organisations? Because it's almost what can't you measure or what can you measure. And then yeah. does that particularly feed in? I mentioned physical security uh, mm -hmm. is one of those that uh, you know might not be uh, normally measured, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's some metrics there. Well, there are metrics there that you can start to to build in if needed. How how customizable is it where you can start to develop new reports and and new data sets? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that on, on that point, is a, it's almost a very good point because there are things that we just cannot do. You know, we have to be very honest about that. And we realize we're a piece of the pie. We are not the pie. Right. So cybersecurity is an element of risk that you take into account when engaging in a, in a, in a, a contract with a third party or even engaging with with, with any other. Um, other of the personas that we work with so you know we have to to realize that but what we what we can do is we can make that intersection as easy as possible we can make the fact that you know we don't do anything in physical physical security but there are overarching standards that that overlay both of what of what we do yeah. so say iso 27001 or gdpi here in europe or whatever the the standard may be and those standards that that sit in at the top there they incorporate physical security they incorporate uh, internal security controls, external security controls. So what Security Scorecard does is it allows you to do what we call custom mapping. So you can basically take all of the things that you're interested in, all of the signals that you're interested in that affect based upon something like a security standard one of, of one I just mentioned, and you can map all of those cybersecurity findings that, that are impacted by that, that, um, that standard. So if you're using a, an industry standard like ISO, for example, as a way of benchmarking vendors, you can automatically do those mappings within the security scorecard tool to say, okay, from a cybersecurity external posture risk, what was the risk of this organization look like? And then I can intersect that with the other metrics that I've already got. So I might have a, a questionnaire of which we also we also provide as well as, as, a, as a way of bringing that together to ask questions about physical security. And then I can get an overall 360 view and assessment of that vendor. Uh, and then I can make my decision. So what we're trying to do is make it, as I said, as close as possible to other areas that we don't focus on um, and making sure that there's a, there's a broad view when a decision is made. What are some of the, the observations you make with, with clients uh, in terms of what the board and and for up to CISO, I mean, the CISO has to report mm -hmm. often to the board or to the CEO, yeah. depends. That's a whole other conversation. But what are some of those key metrics that the board should be provided with and something that is easily drawn out of a platform like a Security Scorecard? Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, and of course, this is just from my perspective, and it, it's different depending on, you know, potentially yeah. who you might speak to. But, you know, from my perspective, when, we, when we're talking to any industry, the, the metrics are essentially very much the same. You know, I want to know where we sit within our environment, you know, what's our risk appetite. 
and sometimes you'll go a bit lower and sometimes you'll go a bit higher. So there may be, for example, something you present to the CISO will, will probably include more of what we call the factor level. So factor level is like grouped risk. So they might want to say, okay, well, let's drill into the things like network security or let's drill into the things like endpoint security or, or, or malware security. And they might want to look at that in a bit more detail and you can provide them essentially change metrics. That's the really key thing. It's just yeah. how is this changing over time? Um, you know, if I were to do a stock check in, in December and then do one again in December, I might get the similar numbers. But there's a whole story, a whole narrative that's missing for those 12 months in between. So most of the time, the CISO might want to go a little bit lower. You know, we're not going to look at the factor to kind of get a feel for what you're doing, make sure it's accurate, which is the right thing to do. And then what they would then might do in terms of reporting to the rest of the board when they have to make their monthly or or quarterly presentations is to then take that data, that metric data, and, and what they want to be showing is that they have control. And you know, one of the ways in which they can do that is to show trending over time. And that's really the most important yeah. thing I think that, that, that boards want to see is, am I heading in the right direction? And, and when we say we're heading in the right direction, give me some other landmarks, you know, same as if I was navigating, give me some other landmarks to understand where exactly I am in my, in my navigation. Am, am I, above my competitor below my competitor uh, as a whole can you give me what we were three months ago in terms of our entire vendor estate and potentially high risk vendors and give me what percentage of improvement i've gone from three months ago to today so all of these metrics really are coming down to the mathematics of it the percentage increase the percentage improvements where i sit in my environment where my customers or the vendors i work with where do they sit how are we improving those uh, engagement metrics? Is, is it, a lot of it's around just showing you where you were and where you are and how much yeah. of an improvement in terms of scope you've, you've managed to incorporate in, in using something like Security Scorecard. Is there a cost benefit in there as well in terms of uh, budget, budget spend that you might be able to contrast to? Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, again, to, to be very honest, it's, it's a very, very hard thing to quantify because every company is so unique. I mean, there are a lot of commonalities between companies, but realistically, every company is very, very unique. So depending on where they are on the maturity model that we work with the customer, if they're right at the beginning and they want to get from, a, you know, if, if we were using the, the, the ratings vernacular, if they wanted to get from a D to an A, the cost of doing that is going to be more expensive than going from a B to a B to an A, for example. So, so mature, but to very mature, but yeah. a lot of that is, 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 is very hard to kind of quantify. Yeah, I suppose so, but they can also budget out and for and forward plan. So I, I suppose that right. model provides them a degree of uh, sort of cost projection uh, exactly. and then that return for investment as well. Right. Exactly. We, we, we invariably do that gap analysis or we do that kind of appetite um, model modeling very, very early on in the engagement. To, and it doesn't cost anything. We do this as part and parcel of the, you know, the appetite to, 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 to basically work out what they what they want to do. And then once we know that, we can say, OK, well, we think this is going to take X amount of hours. We think we're going to take it. Yeah. it we can often give a model, say, 30 days, 60 days. In the first 30 days, we can achieve X. In the first 60 days, we can achieve X, 90 days, etc. Um, depending on if you're moving and where you are on that model. So we can do a lot of that planning with them, absolutely. And, that, and that's the, the that's a really key point to understanding kind of return on the uh, return on investment. Yeah. Well, I suppose that comes to some of the key benefits of the platform. One is that projection, and mm -hmm. you, we talked about a maturity model, but able to phase that out uh, and sort of roll it out and, and phase it in as well, depending on the size of the organisation. It's always easier. These are people with real jobs, I say. 
Uh, yep. So, you know, to, to go in there day after day and stick to a, a strategy uh, or implement a model uh, is easier said than done. So I take it this yep. provides them uh, the, the guidelines and the day-to-day -day work, work, work uh, workflow uh, yeah. to sort of achieve and have a, a goal in mind? Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, what we provide is a solution, right? So let, let's, you know, let's be you know, very clear about we provide a solution, but the the value of Security Scorecard are, are the expertise and the people that work with us and, and, and work within the organization that we provide on a per project basis. And, and it, it, you know, it's, the solution is there to 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 provide value. It's, to, it's there to provide um a method for which they can automate currently manual processes or they can automate and, and increase the scope of which they monitor risk of themselves or their third parties. Um, and, and that's what the tool is essentially doing. But on top of that, the kind of what we call the, the premium element of what Security Scorecard does is, is really understanding the, the nuances of the individual organization, understanding what exactly it is and where exactly that organization sits and then providing a, a a project plan, if you will, or providing a, a method for which we can then justify why you would want to use security scorecard. And, and so, you know, it, it is always very important to get that initial stage up front so that everyone can be very clear about what, what's going to happen. And then also not just about getting you to the state of play of where you want to be, but also the after effects, which is, as you say, you come in day in, day out, manually looking at, I don't know, 200 questionnaires or, or manually assessing a company every month. It's just not going to yeah. It's not going to fly. People aren't going to do this. It, 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 they've got other things to, you know, to do, not only in their personal life, but in their professional life as well. And so, you know, being able to do things like early warning indicators, being able to just say, right, when certain events happen, when certain things occur within one of the organizations, and this may only happen once a month, depending on how well you tune these this alerting, you can actually get to the point where the organizations that that they're looking at there are, you know, it's a very low touch with them if, if they're taking control of their own risk. But if, if they're, you know, every month they've got to then go back to that vendor and say, look, you know, there's a whole new bunch of exposures. It also highlights other things. Should I, you know, should I be, you know, engaging with that vendor? It's creating a lot of work for me to ensure the organization that I'm looking at is at the right security level. And so a lot of things come out of this process, you know, one of which is obviously getting you from one state to a, to a hopefully a better state in this case, but also how we can then tune that and then work to decrease the amount of, of, of effort that's required to even maintain such a model. It does. There is a potential red flags in your supply chain, uh, even though their security may not be up to scratch. If they're not addressing yeah. it, as you say, mm -hmm. it could be a red flag for other things that they're not addressing as well. So it has that sort of business uh, impact uh, and business yeah. uh, contribution. Well, look, it's one of those things we, we have interviewed uh, the CEO as well, Alexander Yampalski, who's the co-founder uh, and CEO, and then we've also done some work with Hanyang Lau, I mentioned before. So it's been quite a good uh, insights that we do have, and now to have the Director of Sales Engineering International. I wanted to underline international, your observations go around the world. It's one of those things with right. a platform like this, the beauty of cybersecurity is it is a sort of a global uh, business, much of it is the same. Any Any key trends that you're finding uh, in terms of security scorecard, the uptake, either trend, uh, trends around uh, verticals mm. or particular regions around the world, or do you find it's uh, finding its, its niche in, in all of them? 
Yeah, really good question, actually, because it's, um, as you say, being the kind of international director, it does does lend it to the fact that I get quite a lot of visibility, everything from South America to, you know, Australia yeah. and everything in between. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different nuances that you get from each of those regions. And I would say it's it's more regionally than um, than vertical specific, because essentially every company, it doesn't matter whether you're financial, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're retail, every company has this this obstacle to kind of get over which is i work with other vendors and essentially depending on where you are in the world you are responsible for that relationship and the data that traverses between yourself and, and those vendors as well um so it, it affects everybody in every kind of virtual some are, are more there's a there's a bigger appetite obviously in those that are more profitable like financials so you're going to see the appetite to do more and, and be right at the end of the right at the top level of the maturity uh, versus some of those verticals that potentially have um, less money, but there's always an appetite. There's always a there's always a scale to improve, right? Even if you're even if you're a, a kind of a D level or a lower level, you can take yourself up one notch. That still could be monumental. That could be absolutely phenomenal. That could prevent three or four incidences yeah. in a year, depending on where you are. Where, whereas if you're a you're very high A and you only go up a tiny bit, that might not be as is impactful as going up. So on a vertical basis, there is no. Uh, it, it, it's the same impact. It's just kind of where, where you know, in my experience, is where you kind of see different verticals on that maturity model is, is interesting. Um, wrongfully or rightfully, it, it, it's still where we're at. So re really, it's regionally is the biggest kind of impact that we see. So if, if you take somewhere like Europe, for example, where there are stringent laws now on, on the privacy of the individual, um, not being able to identify individuals, if there's a breach, having to divulge that breach within a certain period of time, either to a governing body or publicly or through the governing body, however that might look like. We're seeing that there's a really, really big focus now. And, and not that I want to do it to, to bring it up, but certainly with the introduction of the pandemic, where some of those manual steps, we could kind of work around things like on-site audits, where we could go to the organization and, yeah. and do those checks, just simply aren't, aren't there anymore. And... You know, if they are, they can only happen on a very, very small scale, maybe five a quarter or something. And if you're working with a thousand vendors, that's just not going to, you know, that's just not going to work. So what we're seeing is is certainly in regions like Europe um, would be the would be a huge focus on privacy, a huge focus on data security and, and compliance. And so therefore having something like security scorecard that provides it, to a certain extent early warning indicators that something's happening is really key so so regionally i'd say in, in europe that's something that's coming up very very high uh, or very 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 often sorry and then as you move more towards um towards apac and certainly not in a detrimental way the introduction of ratings is, is relatively new i say relatively new i said yeah. the last 18 months it's been establishing itself um and, and and i'd say it's almost like a wave right so ratings started in the us and then they came over to europe and then they and and so that wave's coming across and and now we're kind of in europe you're, we're at a much higher level where the awareness and understanding of ratings and the value of them is, is really important but then as you move down to towards apac we're now starting to see people adopting the same similar sorts of models now i would say that the um, that from my my perspective, the the privacy models in in APAC um, somewhat model, modelled on other parts of the world, but I wouldn't say as highly enforced as somewhere like Europe. Yeah. Um, and, and so therefore, you know, there's a there's maybe a different focus in in say places like APAC. But the uptake and the, the introdu introduction, it's certainly from a global organisations who are doing this or implementing these models in Europe and in in the US. 
Um, uh, they're also wanting to make sure that they follow suit. So there's there's a there's a lot going on there. But but as I say, that the kind of the last eighteen months have seen a, a larger ramp or a large ramp up in in um, in the use of rating. Certainly in APAC, it's, it's one of our largest kind of growth areas for 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 organisations now looking to implement something like ratings. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it, uh, it's not like Europe; it's quite still segregated. Uh, but yep. again, the supply chains are very interconnected uh, as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gets rolled out uh, once some start to use it. And some of those supply chains uh, are quite uh, intimate with each other as well. They're very interdependent uh, as they cross over, particularly around shipping uh, and the like. So look, um, Adam, I could, I, I've could i got about a dozen other questions. I could keep going. But uh, part of this was a call to action. We are going to be doing a, a webinar with you. Uh, and Hang Yang Lao on the 10th of February. Uh, this is 1.30 Singapore time or 4.30 uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, presenting the cybersecurity strategy to the board of directors, key metrics, third-party risk and cyber insurance. Uh, we'll run a panel session, um, although I'm not too sure if you are going to join us for that because you're in the UK, but I know Hang Yang Lao <laughs> is. He's going to be here in Singapore. Um, but it was off the back of this. I think it was one of the reasons why we wanted to reach out to you and do this yeah. interview uh, simply because of that time difference and at least touch base with you as your role of Director of Sales um, Engineering, you've got that sort of frontline view uh, with the customers, so it's quite important. Um, but Adam, Daniel Hampton, thank you so much for joining us there from the UK. Uh, pleasure speaking with you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Great. Enjoy your day.